This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. I'm here with my husband, Rob Sanchez. Hey, how's it going? And we thought that it would be interesting to have the two of us together in this new format that we're testing out, in part to ask questions of each other, because I consider us on a similar spiritual path and as two people who are who came together um, maybe around 14 years ago. Yeah. To be on this journey together has been truly fascinating, and I wanted to to have this opportunity to share some of the things that we've learned and some of the challenges that we've gone through in hopes of empowering others who may be in a relationship, who are looking to be in a relationship, or who are looking to connect more spiritually in their relationships. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Here we are. And it's kind of funny to have my husband opposite me at the mic. So let's start with, Rob, what was it like to even seek a relationship? Did you have a strategy behind it or, or was was it spiritual? <laughs> Where was I coming take, from? Ta- yeah. Take us back to the, <laughs> yeah. the college days or maybe even before then. So um, I guess I grew up a little bit differently than most people. Um, I was in a very spiritual family, very uh, connected to the Christian faith, um, more on the fundamentalist Christian side. And we had a home church, uh, you know, went every twice a week. And I took a lot of that with me early on um, into college and beyond. And then at the same time, I was dealing with some um, things at the time that I didn't understand that now I do a lot. Um, so I'm on the autism spectrum. I didn't understand myself and things around me all that well. At that time, you know, in retrospect, at the time I thought I was normal and that everything was like the way that I processed the world was the way everybody else did. And I would get frustrated at how that worked. But as I went into college, I kind of brought this idea that um, I really wanted to find somebody who was a match for me spiritually, who was a match for me um, emotionally and a match for me from um, sort of a, a who I wanted to be in the world. And I didn't want to be in a relationship that wasn't meaningful. And that kind of underlaid everything that was going on for me. So I actually spent a lot of time thinking about what that would be like and praying to meet somebody who would fit that. Um, But at the time I was filtering it through the way I had been brought up, which, you know, like I need to find somebody who will be in the same religion as me. Um, And it took a bit of a leap of faith when like 
you came along and it was clear that you were the person I was supposed to be with. I think it was clearer for me early on than it was for you. <laughs> um, it was just so clear that this was the person I've been looking for and asking for. Um, but you did not meet any of the boxes that I thought needed to be checked. <laughs> and so that was what a were those very, boxes? well, like <laughs> you weren't from the same religion. You didn't, hadn't even been raised in the same, in a religious way. You didn't have, um, a relationship at all with prayer and the Bible in the way that I had thought about it. Um, and a lot of the things that were structural were different. Um, but there is still this sense that this is, no, this is who you are supposed to be with. Um, it was to the point that I was nervous having conversations with my family. And some of the early conversations were about, well, is she going to join the church? Um, that is not how it played out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's kind of my start, I guess. And the other thing was just really getting myself to a point where I knew myself at the time, that was pretty hard. There, I had a lot of things that I wouldn't do. I didn't have a lot of things that I was working towards, though. Um, so that was a bit of a shift, too. That's a lot of deep thinking for a college student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was what was that like? With the assumption that I'm I'm assuming that that you yeah. were surrounded by people who were who were not looking for a soulmate. Well. I think it came down, I, I had a couple of pivotal moments in my life. One of them was sophomore year in high school. And um, I was miserable and I, I was afraid of everything and living a very, very small life. And I remember having this moment walking down the hallway where I just said, you know, I don't want to live this life. I, I am not happy. And the only way for me to become happy is for me to face all my fears. And in that moment, um, I literally, as this shy kid who couldn't speak to somebody with, while looking them in the face, um, walked down the hallway and signed up to run for class office because I knew that if I made myself do that, then, um, I wouldn't back down. And the only way I had to do something that drastic for me to, um, to move forward and then the second one, I realized at that point, you know, I just want to tackle fears. So the second one was um, swimming. And I am deathly afraid of the water, but I'm also now a long distance swimmer. And so um, I remember my, I realized that the only way I could conquer my fear of water was actually being on a team where the team relied on me and I had to swim. Um, but I had a panic attack that first day in the water. And the first time I swam a full lap was actually in a competition. I got lucky that the coaches put up with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that was, those are the things. And then the other one for me that was really pivotal that played a role in college was that I re I read a lot early on. And one of the things that kept coming up was it's much easier to make a decision and stick with it than it is to change your decision later. And I had some friends who struggled with alcohol. I had a lot of friends who struggled with drugs back in um, high school. And I had made the decision pretty early on that I would never drink. Like this lifetime, I won't drink and I will not take drugs. And you can imagine going into college where a lot of people are experimenting with those things. Um, it really built in me a sense of self and confidence in a in an interesting way that 
in retrospect was important, but the ability to just, you know, if, if something came up saying no, but that also played out in things like sex and, um, relationships and, and playing around with people. It just didn't happen because it wasn't something that I had agreed to. I had made the agreement with myself that I would wait until I was with somebody who I was supposed to be with. Um, so that's kind of a rambly answer, but, uh, I think I was grappling more with how do I manage who I am in the world than anything else. I'm overstimulated by things. I'm scared. I'm shut down. I'm this and that. I'm scared of what I could be. Let me create a framework for myself to exist in that gives me that ability to go from there. And so that came in. Maybe a little bit of it was spiritual, but I think a lot of it was just self-management strategies. And did people teach you these things or it just kind of came to you like an epiphany? Um, It came to me. So most of my life I've had full ideas just pop into my head and it turns out later on that that's claircognizance. And I think we kind of discover that in this path, in this journey. But I mean, you can imagine lying in bed and realizing that you would never drink alcohol for the rest of your life and having that be like one moment that wasn't the case and the next moment it was. Um, it wasn't something I struggled with because I, I also had this firm conviction that the struggle itself was part of you having not actually made a decision. So if you've made a decision, there is no struggle. If you haven't made a decision, then you're constantly deciding what to do in this moment. And that's when pressure starts to get to you. So I had that clear as day and that kind of formed that basis for me as I was growing up. What was really interesting about about those aspects and specifically about alcohol was I remember one of the the first times where I noticed you. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is going way back. Yeah. And this was we were both working for your brother's company, actually. Mm-hmm. It was our first digital media startup. And I remember it was a kind of a, a launch party of sorts. And there were, you know, a bunch of people there. These were people who were all work, all working for this company, but also had come from Yale. We were all, you know, knew each yeah. other from a college standpoint. We all were actually in school together still at that point. Yeah. And, and I distinctly remember everyone, you know, having out, pouring out some champagne. I mean, it was just champagne. It was pouring out some alcohol into cups and... And I, for a long time, had been grappling with, with my ability to, to, either say no or or make that decision about drinking. And for me, I have medical issues where I shouldn't be drinking because it would impact me in a negative way. And yet, for a lot of my freshman sophomore year in college, I felt like I didn't, I wasn't strong enough to say no because of whatever people might think. And Mm -hmm. the moment I noticed you, I think among other moments, but this was one I really remember, was as someone was going around pouring out alcohol, they went to you and asked, would you like some champagne? And you said, you just looked them right in the eye and said, no thanks, or something like that. I said, no, thank you, I don't drink. Ah, yes. 
that's what it was. Yeah, I remember that because you brought up the I don't drink part um, as what had stood out for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I and I was sitting across the way. I don't think I had really talked with you that much. I just hired you. That's all. (laughs) I don't think you listened to a word I said during that interview. No, no. I was an intern. (laughs) We were in the same year in college. It was a joke, (laughs) running joke. Um, But I remember thinking, wow, who is this guy? How is he so confident to to look someone in the eye and say, no, thank you? When I when so, when they came to me, I said, sure, you know, pour me the, the alcohol. I might take a sip. I might pretend to take a sip so I fit in. But it was it, it shook me in that moment because I realized that I wasn't strong enough. And I wanted to I wanted to get to know someone who was that to me just like didn't <laughs> exist in that time. And that was one of a, a series of um, a number of moments, encounters that that somehow solidified my interest in you and our relationship. That's that's something that we can talk about <laughs> as well. Um, there is actually another part that I want to bring up, and that was uh, the law of attraction in terms of the idea that thoughts and uh, feelings create your reality. And looking back on it, I had realized that somehow I had manifested you, (laughs) (laughs) manifested a relationship. And I tell this to some of my clients too, when, when they are looking for relationships as well, that I successfully manifested you by, by, (laughs) um, being very clear on what I wanted in a relationship, which for me was oddly enough, I wanted a farm boy. <laughs> this is this may sound funny, but I wanted someone who who came from an uh, an environment where there were very specific values. And this maybe is a stereotypical value, but someone who's family oriented, someone who uh has wholesome values. I don't know how else to describe it, just wholesome. Mm-hmm. And someone who who has no idea how good looking they are that was that was actually on my list. Someone who has no clue uh and is just so not even humble because they just literally oblivious, don't they're just oblivious what, yeah. they have no idea that that they are a, a catch and and so I put that out into the universe. I don't even remember how I did it. I think I would just imagine. And I would tell people, I remember telling a friend, it's like, I'm looking for a farm boy. And, and she was like, I'm from Georgia. I can, I can, I know plenty of farm boys. (laughs) I can introduce you to them. And I thought it was hilarious, but I had put it out there into, you know, spoken word, let's say into the universe. And lo and behold, you know, all those things checked out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not quite a farm boy, but definitely from a farming place and i think at the time i was my summers were at the agricultural research service so i was actually working on farms um so it was kind of like a, a funny coincidence maybe yeah. you worked for the <laughs> agricultural research institution so that you could fit my check boxes <laughs> yeah it's an interesting way of thinking about it um, yeah, I think I had 
that same, like I had the checklist too. I just didn't think of it as a checklist. And it wasn't, the other thing I think was interesting, I don't know if it was this way for you, but I wasn't looking. I just knew it would come. Yeah. And I think that was important. If I had been looking, I would have, well, it would have been easier for you, I think. (laughs) Uh, What does that mean? Well, I, I was pretty oblivious to your interest, I think, and also trying to be my ideal of what a coworker slash boss should be in an environment. Um, I had this like no relationship idea. And I think I made you fairly miserable in the beginning because I didn't accept your interest at all Um, to the point of like turning you down for a dance and like asking you to go to very awkward uh, things as friends that, (laughs) yeah, I I think I just didn't understand that side. Um, That was the level of not looking. I'd say the beginning of our relationship was pretty funny, comedic even, and awkward. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm the king of that. (laughs) if If it weren't for the time of, uh, was it AOL Instant Messenger at this time, mm-hmm. which sadly no longer exists? But if it weren't for technology, I think me being an introvert and you being on the autism spectrum, <laughs> we might not have met if we didn't have that kind of neutral ground of communicating online. Um, it still weirds me <laughs> out, though, that your mom read all our messages. I mean, that's... Oh. <laughs> I have an overprotective mother <laughs> who was so. looking over my shoulder and making sure making sure this was yeah. all, you know, all good. I had actually asked you out mm-hmm. to this dance, and that was very unlike me. Yep. And so... I guess in in terms of a takeaway is go for it. You know, if you if you are interested in something and have nothing to lose, I felt like I was since I wasn't looking for a relationship, my mantra was always that I'm not going to marry the first guy I date. Yep. I and messed that up for you. Lo and behold, literally <laughs> he was the first guy I ever dated. Yep. And and vice versa and, too. And uh, yes, and first first boyfriend for me and I was first girlfriend for you. Right. And then literally, literally got married, you know, I don't know yeah. how many years later it was seven. Well, you said no about three later. years in and then seven years yeah. later. You... <laughs> so I'd say, know what you want. Yeah. Be okay. Being the first one to initiate. Yeah. And well, the interesting thing was that initiation was what made me realize that I wanted it. Right. Like, so my biggest hang up was I didn't want to uh, date the first or marry the first person I dated either, but I was more aggressive in it because I knew that if I dated you, that I would marry you. That was just like, it was one of those knowing moments. And so I tried really hard not to have a relationship with you. That was part of the underlying subtext for me. And what happened was when you asked me to the dance and I said, no, I said no, not because I didn't want to go with you, but because I had a friend who'd already asked me and I had said I would go with her. Which I thought was the lamest excuse. 
She would have been lonely if I didn't go. Um, she, her boyfriend ended up coming in from out of town anyway, so like that didn't oh, happen. Come on, she had a boyfriend. Yeah, and so she wanted a friend to go to a dance with her. To me, that made sense. Um, apparently, it's weird. And um, I think the the decision you made to go with somebody else because I had said no was what kind of made me realize what I would be missing and what I would lose. And that gave me, I think I called you at midnight. So I could see the dance from my room. It was in the common um, area from our college and I could see it. And so the second that the dance floor emptied out, I actually called your room um, and I think asked to come over. And that was, I wouldn't call it date because I showed up in an Ernie shirt, but um Definitely like the the start of the the actual relationship side. I think one of our first dates was shooting pool. Yep. And listening to Chris Rock. Yes. Yeah. And I was wearing um, sweatpants and a shirt with the face of Ernie from Sesame Street. Which I thought was just odd. Yeah. (laughs) This guy's not trying. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think the takeaway for me was I wasn't looking for a relationship and yet it happened. And so if I like zoom out and extrapolate all the other things that I can manifest in life, not just relationships to have to, to be very clear about what I wanted and to, to communicate that with people to be so, to be so open about it and so willing to receive it that I would tell other people to be willing to take the initiative, put myself out there and and ask. And when I get the rejection, when I get no, I I say, okay, fine. Well, you're lost (laughs) and, and move on, ask somebody else or, you know, don't let it, don't let it hurt you. And I think all of these things with hindsight, looking back on it, I can see that now with this knowledge of the law of attraction and manifestation and non-attachment to the outcome i can see that it was it was very seamless to even get us to the same point yep the interesting thing is that non-attachment um i think if either of us had been looking it probably wouldn't have worked because the energy there would have been an energy of looking and the energy of looking is different than the energy of having or finding um so yeah that's it's one of those concrete examples to go back to, but one that I forget all the time is it's easy to want something. It's hard to realize that the wanting itself is a negation of having it. Because then you're focused on the lack of something. Right. Yeah. I'm really good at lacking things sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, there was this moment before we had the language for what was happening. It was this moment of, alignment let's take a quick break and when we come back rob and i will continue our conversation about our relationship we'll be back do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share i'd love to hear from you follow the show on twitter instagram and facebook at all possible show 
You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Hello, world. I'm Michelle Park. Hello, world. I'm Stacey Eagle. And welcome to Mom's Got, Got This. We got this. Oh, we are so excited to host this show. We got this. We're going to have a show Monday through Thursday, and every day we're going to be talking to one amazing guest who also happens to be a mom, but every day we're going to be asking them about different parts of their life. What inspires them? What makes them happy? What makes them sad? What did they do before they made it? And most of all, their mom journey, because these women have really made it. They really have. And they're all moms. Which is, I think, amazing in itself. Like being a mom is already a full-time job. It's a full-time job. And there's highs and there's lows and we're busy and we're juggling. And these are all working moms. Mm-hmm. So we want to hear their stories. What inspires them? What gets them down? What are the products they use and the recipes to make life easy? What products do they like? What they don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'm so excited about this. Every episode, we're actually going to hear from you guys, the listeners, because we want to hear your mom's got this moment. We want to hear about why your mom. So we want you to join us Monday through Thursday every week. And don't forget to subscribe. So make sure you go to our website, momsgotthispodcast.com. And use our hashtag. Mom's got this. <laughs> <laughs> Premieres May 14th on Mouth Media Network and sponsored in part by luxury footwear brand Tamara Mellon. So fast forward, we're together. We were basically married once we started dating. And uh, seven years later, we got married. <laughs> yep. Three years in, I brought it up. And you said no. And I think it's interesting to note why. You said no because you knew I was unhappy and that I was asking you to have a happy event in my life. And your request to me was that we wait until we were happy so that that, uh, it's hard to describe it. It almost was like, I want to be happy when we get married. Not I want to get married to be happy. And that distinction for you was really important. And that took another four years or so. Um, but I think it also was a, an important moment for me. I left my job fairly soon after that because I realized that you're right. We should be happy um, and not be trying to have these events to kind of be band-aids uh, for how we felt. I think my perspective was that you you were asking to marry me, but that you weren't actually ready. Like you didn't, I didn't feel like you knew yourself mm-hmm. in the way that that I that you knew you could know yourself. If that makes any sense, and and I didn't want you to depend on me in that way like the energy behind it would have been one of like i I need you to be whole as opposed to i am whole yeah you are whole let's let's be together in an even more expanded uh combination and i didn't have any words to verbalize (laughs) what all of this was it was a feeling of i don't think i don't think he's ready (laughs) yeah i don't think i'm really ready to accept whatever this is and at the same time, we knew that we would grow together. 
I think this was around the time when both of us had barely, terrible jobs, terrible, fair, <laughs> fair, barely, uh, traumatic traumatic stressful jobs that we were dealing with and this was uh sort of where where your openness to spirituality came in and i think what's funny is that that is that you you have always been more open spiritually i feel Mm -hmm. and i think we can both debate this too (laughs) but um you are the one who introduced me to the book on law of attraction. So why don't you, that gives you a lot of credit. Why why don't you share that? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there, uh, for me, there's a couple of things that kind of unpack here. Like the, the openness to spirituality is, is um, definitely there. I always had this idea um, that, you know, like whatever experience would come, I would explore it fully. So to the point of like, accepting a reading from a stranger at 4 a.m. in a hostel in in London because um, that seemed like an interesting experience. Like I, I would just be open to whatever it was that came because it for me it was fascinating and learning. Um, but I think uh, I was kind of forming my worldview at that point, which is that everything is the same. And so I wanted to see all the ways that everything was the same. Now, with the the book, the other side that I think is worth unpacking for a second is that um, I have a very deep relationship with books. And even today, I walk into bookstores and I do not browse for books. I walk up to a shelf and let books tell me which ones I should buy. Um, And so I walked into a store with this idea that I wanted to get you a book that I thought would help you with what you were facing at that time. And I walked in and there was this book, excuse me, your life is waiting. And it felt like your book. So I got it. And I think I gave it to you to read and you refused. Um, I read the first chapter and I thought, this is just woo woo crap. Yeah, I have no idea (laughs) what in the world is this. (laughs) I was in a very, very rational and closed minded state at that point in time. And so I read the book. (laughs) And I didn't give up on having you read it. In fact, we went to Sedona on a vacation and I brought it with me with the intention of having you read it on the trip. Um, And it was one of those moments where I wasn't forcing you to read it, but I brought it so that you could. And I don't even know if I told you to read it or anything like that. I think I just had it, but I left it on the nightstand and you and I went for a hike. Um, a side note, we have this habit of doing insane things on accident when we're on vacation. So swimming in the Pacific Ocean without life vests with dolphins because it looked good in the brochure. And then afterwards realizing that, oh my God, that was actually incredibly dangerous and amazing. There could have been sharks. There could have been sharks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in Arizona, we bouldered. We climbed a mountain together um, without thinking about what we were doing. Next thing we know, we're at the top of the mountain and there's this woman and it's sunset and she's doing yoga and we're looking at the sunset and she finishes and she walked over to Julie and she said, wow, you have a beautiful aura or something like that. You know, you should probably read, excuse me, your life is waiting. And (laughs) I think that was the moment of full circle where 
the book was on the stand in the hotel room. A stranger had recommended that you read it. And it basically took the universe giving you this mystical experience at the top of a, a spiritual hotspot in the middle of the desert in Arizona. The stranger telling you to read the book that I'd ask you to read was what it took for the universe to like put it in your hands. And at that moment you read it, and I think that started your journey. Um, Isn't that yeah. crazy how it all happens? I think she had said, have you heard of Lynn Grabhorn? And I was like, no. And then that's when you said, well, that's the author of the book I'm trying to get you to read. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? Yeah. And then she looks me straight in the eye and says, you should read that book. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. wow, if this lady <laughs> that we met at the top of a mountain doing yoga, which at that time I was not familiar with at all, tells me to read a book versus my husband or boyfriend, fiance, whatever you were at the time, tells me to read it, I'll listen to the lady. <laughs> and that was that was the the extra oomph I needed to to look at the book with fresh eyes because uh, I think actually that trip was something that was already very spiritual. I was open enough to even want to go to Sedona, which is a very spiritual place. It's known for vortexes or energy spots. And, and I remember reading about it cause I, I plan all our vacations and I remember reading about it and thinking this might be a really cool place to go to. Let's do it. So I feel like part of me was open to being there in the first place. And then it, it I think all their experiences happened. We, we read the book yeah, and then the rest of that trip Oh, we tested it. Was testing out <laughs> the law of attraction and manifesting. Yeah, I remember that. And one of those moments was going to the Grand Canyon and we were in we were in line. All these cars were lined up to get in and we thought, "Okay, well, let's test the law of attraction, which is to imagine that you are already there. You are already at the final point where you want to be." which for us was enjoying the Grand Canyon, Had, you know, never been there before, seeing what this amazing natural wonder looks like. And I remember this car cut us off and you yeah. were, you were livid. <laughs> you were probably cursing them out. And then we thought, wait, 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 no, 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 let's, let's be calm about this. And, and see if this works. Let's see if this works. Let's test it out. <laughs> So we, we just kind of sat back and I think, I mean, I don't know what you did, but I just kind of imagined seeing the wonder of the Grand Canyon and photographing it, being in awe. And then the next thing we know, this lady walks down the line, points at us and says, you guys start a new line. Yep. Which meant that the guy who cut us off was at the back of the line. Karma, right? And... And so we just we just shoot right in there. Yeah. We just go go right into the Grand we Canyon. We skipped like forty cars. <laughs> we, we just went to the front of the line immediately, yeah. and that was the moment where we just looked at each other and said, "Wow, this works. This was basically instantaneous." And at the Grand Canyon, we I think you happened to see a sign for a stargazing event yep. at night, which we wouldn't have seen unless you noticed that sign, and that that allowed me to experience 
the open night sky, the Milky Way. In a, I've never seen the Milky Way before. I grew up in New York City. And and it, it put me in this whole other relationship of us, the earth, the universe, you know, what's out there, how big we are, how small we are. And in that moment, I decided I need to leave my job. In that beautiful, expansive moment, it was so crystal clear, I'm going to leave my job. It took a couple months for I for me to actually implement it, but that decision was made there. So all of these things led up to just a whole slew of events. I know we are at time, and we wanted to to really share our journey together in our relationship because there's just so many fun stories there and so many things that that we. I mean, we think it's a privilege to even have this time to unpack it and to have this conversation with each other and uh, and to also unpack it in a way for you to to take away some lessons as well. So we're going to do this again. There's definitely going to be more stories, more milestones in in our lives uh, as as a couple, as as entrepreneurs, as parents. And uh, we look forward to, to sharing more insights with you and having you f- follow us on this journey. I'm really glad that I have this moment to talk with you and share these things that have been sort of sitting in our heads over the years and these experiences that we've had and this journey that's probably a little bit different than most people have had and that I've been very blessed and very lucky to be taking with uh, with Julie. So it's a... A lot of fun to sit and reflect and just take a couple moments and away from the speed at which everything is going to really talk about the past and the present and the future. Great. Well, Rob, always good to have (laughs) you uh, talking about very, talking very openly about things that I'm, I'm assuming most people don't share about to the public, you know, <laughs> and the, the inner workings of our relationship and how it all started. Um, but for you, for our listeners, if there's any homework that you want to take away from this episode is to see how you can use the law of attraction for yourself, determine what you want in your relationships. Maybe it's a romantic partner. Maybe it's a colleague or a business partner or a friend uh, identify what you want, be in that place of having already found it, uh, be non-attached to the outcome, just go with the flow and see what comes out for you. You you may be guided in the most beautiful, roundabout, hilarious ways as you have seen in our relationship. And I promise you it will be something memorable in your journeys as well. And until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. And good night, y'all. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us.
This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.